attention, please. Stop walking while I'm squawking. All aboard. Hi, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, I'm back. No, uh, <laughs> thanks for unpaid intern Ryan for filling in last week on Gen D, our little podcast where Dana and I talk about all things Disneyland, Disney World. Disney Cruise, Disney Paris, Disney Hong Kong, Disney Shanghai. I mean, we could go on. We don't actually really ever talk about the Asia parks, but. No, but I really want to go. And I'm going to bring them up in our vault very briefly. Ooh. Ooh. You know, we're just starting and I'm already in a tangent. This stuff in Shanghai, (laughs) not to get on the COVID thing, but the COVID thing is nuts what's happening in Shanghai. I don't know if you've been watching, but the entire city has been on this insane lockdown for weeks. Oh, that was only supposed to last a couple of weeks because China's like zero COVID. Meanwhile, here in the US, we're like, meh. Yes. (laughs) No mask. Nobody cares. Um, but the China thing is that's and they're actually just now, I think early May, they're going to finally reopen Hong Kong Disneyland. Yeah, I think which you're right. has been closed again. Like that one's been like open, close, open, close. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's the pandemic that will never go away. The pandemic that will never die. Isn't it an endemic now? Isn't that what it's supposed to be? I think Aren't we so. at that point? Are we? I think so. I think so. What? But I don't remember what constitutes when you get into an endemic i don't know is that when it's i don't know i don't know okay listeners email us and explain to us the difference is it when dr fauci like deems it an endemic then we're all gonna be like oh it's an endemic now i guess is that how that works i don't know but i actually know this just i guess we can dive into it this just made me think because we're going to disney world in a few days from when we're recording this and I was like, oh, maybe because the mask mandate we thought was going to lift on April 18th on planes, trains and automobiles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it looks like it's not. They've extended it, which means at Disney World, I was mainly hoping for Like, I get the mask on the airplane thing. You're in close quarters. A lot of people. It's probably kept us all from getting the flu this year or something. I don't know. But at Disney World, when you're hopping on the bus or the monorail, like it's just that extra thing that you now have to still have with you, even though you don't have to wear a mask anywhere else at the parks except on the transportation um so we were kind of secretly hoping that the federal mandate would go away and we wouldn't have to wear a mask on the bus and have to remember to grab it at this point because you don't need it for the rest of the trip yeah but it looks like you will that mask will still be in our pockets yeah you know it was for us when we went in february and we still had to wear them indoors at all places inside uh so getting into our hotel room we still were wearing them It was fine. I don't know about you, but I've noticed that I start losing masks a lot more when I have to wear them a lot less. So they will fall out of my pocket or I will shove them into a bag and I'll never see them again. Versus before where I was wearing them more frequently, it was just like kind of always, you know, under my chin or (laughs) around my ear or something. You always had it with you because you had to have it. Yeah, same. Like even my office now. We don't have to wear masks going to the office building or anything like that. But we do. I mean, I go in twice a week is all we have to go in. But like you still have to wear it on the subway to get there, even though nobody's enforcing it. And like half the people on the subway aren't even wearing them because they just don't care anymore. And also like the NYPD who's on the subway. Sorry, this is we'll get to Disney in a second. This is my (laughs) rant this morning. The NYPD that's like all over the subway to keep us safe. None of them have masks on when they're down there on the subway. So no, yeah, nobody's enforcing this. This is like, I don't know. Anyway, that's look, I think you should be able to wear a mask if you want to wear a mask and you feel safer wearing the mask. Yes. But at this point, I don't know. It's 
Oh, I won't go there because I'll probably get hate mail for even saying this. Now I sound like one of our favorite um, Disney influencers that we love to love. Oh, <laughs> we have one that we we love to hate on, um, it, but separately. Just you and I do. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, there's my morning rant <laughs> on that one. Well, let's talk about fun things like more Disney stuff. So, Adam, tell us what the news is. This is our mouse music. Well, so to keep it on the East Coast for a hot minute, and then we'll go back over to the best coast, left coast. I can't believe I said that even though I'm a New Yorker again. <gasps> it's still true. Anyway, uh, big news, big, big news at Disney World when we go. We were really worried because... A couple weeks ago, they just said, like, Expedition Everest at Animal Kingdom was going to be closed indefinitely still. They, like, removed the late spring timing from the website about when it was going to reopen. Well, big, big news. Just the other day, they announced Expedition Everest is opening this weekend. I think it's tomorrow. uh, At Animal... No, it opened today. Today. Saturday. We're recording this on Saturday the 16th. So, as of when we're recording this, Expedition Everest is reopened. I saw yesterday on some social media that they had cast members were testing the ride out um and looked like they were having a blast so i'm super excited it's one of kurt and i's favorite rides to do at disney world it's just so much fun and i can't wait to see disco yeti once again um we're gonna have to figure out how we're gonna do it they have single rider which is usually what we do because that single rider line there moves Pretty quick. And it's one of the few rides at Disney World that has single rider. We should also mention that this is going to be on the Genie Plus. So it's not going to be a lightning lane a la carte situation. None of those fancy rides as we like to take from Molly from all ears. This is just if you have Genie Plus, it's one of the several that you can get. I just went on the Disney app to look at the wait time right now. It's 50 minutes. So you are right. Expedition Everest is open. It's reopen it's under an hour wait. That's not terrible for a reopening. I know. I actually feel like speaking of just Disney Plus, we were just talking about this, like or Disney Plus, Genie Plus, whatever. It's plus, <laughs> plus everything plus 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 plus. Have you noticed like everything is just named Plus now? Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. You CNN Plus, Discovery Plus, Paramount Plus. Like what? Like anyway. We're, can we get a little more creative? We as a society are not very clever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're just like it's extra. Um, so speaking of Genie Plus, Dana and I were just talking that we need to do like a deep dive tips and tricks for both coasts on it because we have added it on to our ticket for every day when we go down to Disney World. So, you know, I've been watching the Molly all ears, shout out to her again, videos on like tips and tricks with Genie Plus, and she's done these like great video series about like every park and how to maximize using genie plus. Yeah. Apparently we're going to be doing a lot of what they call fiddle faddling is what Molly calls it, where you're just constantly refreshing, refreshing your screen because new times pop up. Um, I did go buy a brand new Mophie backup charger that gets me like five charges on my phone so we can survive this trip. But um, we'll see. I'm very curious to see how much screen time I'm actually going to spend like on the phone booking And I mean, you know, I love this stuff, but like just having to book the rides and all that stuff. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, we'll do a whole episode on Genie Plus for both coasts. I know we did one with Sierra Leone and I where we talked about just Disneyland's Genie Plus. I think they're different because I had not experienced Disney World's. So there's enough difference for sure to to have a whole episode to talk about. The thing I'm most stressed out about is at 7 a.m., like if we want to do Rise of the Resistance or if we want to do some of the other pay-for rides, like Slinky or Get a Slinky Return Time or something, 
like being able to do it right at 7 a.m. when everybody at every hotel is trying to do the same thing. But then I, but then Molly from Molly was saying, just go back on at like 7.20 and they refill it. Like there's yeah. like a mad dash at seven o'clock and then you just wait and go back. That's so what we'll we see. found too. I will talk about it in yeah. another episode, but I got some so much to talk about experiences for sure. So that is, so we're super excited. We can't wait to get down there. Um, we're pumped about our resorts we're staying at. Like I just one, we're literally leaving like a week in two days and next week just needs to come and go so we can get down to the land of magic and be there. I'm very excited. I can't Yay. need this. Um, okay, so should we hop on a flight and go back to the West Coast? Sure. Our, our virtual flight. Speaking of virtual, virtual queues are kind of non-existent anymore, right? They got rid of them for Remy's Ratatouille adventure. They got rid of them for Spider-Man out at DCA. Rise hasn't had it anymore because of Genie Plus. Well, yeah. looks like the virtual queue is coming back to Disneyland starting April 22nd, so next weekend. World of Color is back finally at DCA after it feels like forever. I mean, the two times we went there before we moved back to New York, it was completely drained. Like, it was just like, ugh, yeah. you know? They refilled it a couple months ago, so it does look much better now that it's got its water, and I'm super excited that they're bringing this show back. So with it, though, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> virtual queues are back. So you know how they used to do, you could get a fast pass. Like everybody would run over to, uh, oh my it was, gosh, it was over it was, by the water ride. Um, Grizzly River Grizzly, Rapids. Grizzly River Rapid. And there was like a world of color kiosk for fast passes there. And you would like, go oh, get your fast pass. And then you'd have like reserve seating, a reserve section, not seating up close to world of color. If you really wanted to see it. Well, since fast passes are no longer, their answer is, okay, we are going to do a virtual queue. So it's back. So if you want a good viewing spot, which frankly, I feel like all the viewing spots around Pixar Pier and that whole area are beautiful. Like, yeah, it's such a big show. I don't know. I don't know if I would waste the time to do this, but apparently opening at noon uh, every day, you can hop on and try to get a virtual queue spot for the viewing areas um they're going to be called blue or yellow they're going to open up 45 minutes before world of color starts so you just have to join the virtual queue to be able to get one of those spots if you don't don't worry about it i think because you can really watch it from anywhere and also great tip the coffee cart that's like right at like the bridge over towards Life Flight Lounge. Yep. Very, very good um, Irish coffees there in the evening. When it gets a little cooler when the sun goes down and have a nice little Irish coffee while watching World of Color. That is a good tip. I didn't know that. It's a Joffrey's coffee stand. It's yep. one of the few out here. And people who are East Coasters who love Disney World love that stand because Joffrey's coffee is like a big thing at Disney World. So, yeah, I will try that next time. It's good. It's good. Okay. Um, next thing. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. No, let's save this. I'm going to skip. I'm going to go around my order because I think it's going to be a long conversation. So, tease. We'll get back to that. Um, first thing, next most exciting thing, staying over in that Pixar land of the world of the park, just beyond Paradise Pier Hotel. So, Paradise Pier, we all know it is the quote-unquote cheapest of 
the options, which let's be honest, it's still not that cheap. Well, and real quick for a refresher, there are three quote on yep. Disney property resorts at Disneyland. At Disney World, there's like 30, but here at Disneyland, there's three. It's the Grand Californian Hotel, the Disneyland Hotel, and Paradise Pier. And Paradise Pier was purchased, it was originally built by like, um, I think a, a international company back in the 80s and disney bought it in the early 90s and it used to be called something kind of yeah. similar but different so paradise pier we haven't stayed there we almost stayed there a couple times but i haven't been able to pull the trigger and we just spent the extra money to stay at the disneyland hotel or grand california when we go just yeah. because i look at it and i'm like ugh, it just looks like budgety and not I don't know. I Have you been in there? I have. I don't recommend it. I don't recommend it to my clients. I would say if you want to stay on property, the best bet is the Disneyland Hotel uh, for the price tag. You're looking at staying at Pixar Pier in like the 350 to 390 a night range. And if you just hop over to Disneyland Hotel, you're looking at more like a 400 a night range. So it's not a big difference. I would totally do Disneyland Hotel or stay off property because you could stay yeah. at a Hyatt like we did. We've done. For what was that, 150 bucks a night? So very close still, same kind of amenities, more updated and modern. I, I would not stay at Paradise Pier. Yeah. So maybe you might change your mind, though, shortly, because Paradise Pier is about to go through a massive renovation similar to. So we all know in Paris, which Kurt and I cannot wait to get back to Europe because we do want to go back to Paris to Disneyland Paris and see the new Marvel Hotel, which used to be Hotel New York, has been now converted into the Marvel Hotel. I want to get into the Contemporary. I would love to see what some of the uh, incredible rooms look like at the Contemporary. Like, I kind of like this retheming of hotels that's happening right now. So they're doing it in California. They are going to turn the Paradise Pier Hotel into the Toy Story Hotel. <gasps> There's Yeah, I'm super excited. The concept art looks amazing. Of what they're going to do. Like it's if they do it the way this concept art looks, you're going to want to stay there. Like it looks so fun. I think it's going to look pretty similar to the Tokyo Disney Hotel that just opened, which is the same theme. It's a Toy Story theme and it looks awesome. Yep. And then, well, they already have one also in existence at Shanghai Disneyland, a Toy Story Hotel there. Oh, maybe that's the one I'm thinking. No, I think they just opened Tokyo, too. Yeah, they just opened Tokyo and they already have one that opened with Shanghai. So, like, the pool looks amazing. There's going to have, like, a wreck slide and, like, it's all going to be kind of like Toy Story Land at Hollywood Studios in Orlando. Yes. Is going to be what this hotel looks like, but just done on a much larger scale. Like... The the lobby looks amazing. The hallways look amazing. The I mean, it's hard to explain like the pool. They're going to have this huge splash pad area with like giant sized toys. It makes you feel like you're one of the toys like it just it looks so neat. The pool area is my favorite feature because it's themed after Party Saurus Rex, which is a Disney short a, like a Pixar short that they have. And it's Rex and a bath um, party that he throws. And so it's like all of those same characters. I'm sure Noah's too little to watch this one, but that was one of Ray's favorite Pixar shorts for like three years. So we've watched <laughs> it a million times and it's really clever. So I'm excited about that. I'm also excited about in the lobby, it looks like their elevator is shaped to look like Buzz Lightyear's packaging, his um mm -hmm. his galactic packaging. So it's shooting you up and back down. So you look like you're the the toy figurine inside the packaging of the elevator. 
it's so cool. It's so cool. I think it, I love the, like the, um, they've got one piece of concept art that is like the main entryway, the lobby, and it's got a skylight on the top, a massive glass roof. And it's got a bunch of the characters flying on kikes, like Forky is like flying on a kite and some of the other ones. So it's cute. It's, it's really cute. And I think this is all going along with their whole expansion that they keep talking about this Disneyland forward where my guess is we're going to have a new land to Disneyland park and a new land to DCA. That's going to go over a walkway over that busy road. And that's what you're going to get. And so it's look, I think huge, huge things are coming for the Disneyland park, but this hotel, I think paradise here desperately needed this. Agree. 100%. I'm very excited about this. Can't wait to see the price tag. on It opens up. I still think it will be cheaper than Grand California, but I don't think it'll be much cheaper. I think Disneyland will be the cheapest of the three hotels soon, but we'll see. And no announcement on when they're going to open this up. I, no. I think this is still glorified rumors that they're going to do this. But, but also, I like, it tr- comes true. What is going on with that? And like Disney being like, we're going to do something and then nothing. Like, it's been the pandemic. It's going to be. It was the tr- pandemic. Yeah, this one was like, actually announced before the pandemic, and then they oh, yeah. they held it back. But then also, like Splash Mountain and the retheme to Princess Ugh. and the Frog, is that ever going to happen? Like they announced that in the summer of 2020, which did feel like a premature announcement, but they were like, oh, we need to say something right now, right? Because of what was happening in during the summer of 2020. In society. Yeah. yeah. And now it's just been like a thud and they've not done anything. And like every time we've gone on Splash Mountain since they made the announcement, they're not really upkeeping it either. Like half the animatronics aren't working. Like, you know, I think there was one frog that when we wrote it in Florida in October 2020 that like one eye was like half shut and the other one was like <laughs> blinking rapidly. Like it was a trippy ride made even trippier in the laughing place. But I, <laughs> I don't know. It's. <laughs> It's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So speaking of the parks, you know, we're going down. We thankfully, at least at Disney World, booked our reservations early enough because already four of our days of our trip, uh, Magic Kingdom and Hollywood Studios are completely out of reservations. Wow. For four of the days that we're going. And we're going after Easter. Like we purposely picked this week because it's notoriously quote unquote slower because it's after the spring break on the East coast. It's after Easter. Like usually the park is slightly slower, but apparently not that said, believe it or not, even with how busy the parks have been, they are technically still not at quote unquote full capacity. Now Disney doesn't ever say what full capacity actually is, right? But there is a rumor flying around that as of May one, Disneyland will return to full capacity in terms of reservations. Now I've seen the social media. I've talked to you, Dana, like you've been down there and it has been rammed, but quote unquote, not at full capacity. I mean, what do you think? Like if they go to full capacity, like what, what does that even mean at Disneyland anymore because of how busy it's been? Yeah. The lines are insane. And I, I credit this to genie plus existing and that's for both sides, both coasts, but um, yeah, going to full capacity confuses me because it already feels pretty dang full. It's not, um, it doesn't seem like it's impossible to go to Disneyland anymore. Like they had started it to be Uh, my caveat with this is if they say that they're going to go to this full capacity, then they better be getting rid of those park reservations because 
clearly full capacity means that they are at full capacity with their staff, with their cast members, having them all back so that they can run every single ride at its full capacity. And so if that's the case, why are we having to um, block the amount of people coming in and out or choosing one park and not able to hop to another one until after 1 p.m.? It seems a little ridiculous. Didn't DeMauro say, though, that like park reservations aren't going away. Like they're going to keep this in place. And I I don't know. I find it kind of annoying because you don't at Universal, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but Universal, you don't have to make a reservation. Well, we only have one Universal theme park in California, so I don't really know. know, But but I think think in in Florida, Florida, you you don't. don't. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't know. Maybe it's a way for them to say, knowing what staffing looks like for any given period of time, they can move that capacity is a moving target of what their max capacity is. But like, come on, they're going to ram those parks full of people and bring in every dollar that they can. Yeah. And, you know, again, we're going. We tried to pick what we thought was going to be a lighter week to go to Disney World. Maybe it will be. Maybe capacity is different because they have less staff after Easter and on the East Coast spring breaks and they're less staff that following week when we're there. Maybe that's a thing. I don't know. We'll see. We'll have to report back. But I'm just blown away by this idea that Disneyland has not been at a quote unquote max capacity, knowing what the crowds have looked like down there. And I always feel like the word max capacity really scares everybody. But when I was a cast member, my understanding as a travel agent is max capacity is when they hit those insane numbers that they get on Christmas or 4th of July. Average capacity is, I think, more what they're talking about, that they're not going to stop down the amount of people who are coming any longer like they didn't before unless they hit max capacity. And if I'm remembering right, I know we talked about this one time on the podcast early on, I think average capacity at Disneyland is like 50,000 people in a day. So it's when it hits up over like 100,000 when they will cap it and say no more people can come in on the 4th of July because we hit 100K. Well, that's like when you would see those signs at Disneyland where they would literally be like, we're full. (laughs) Disneyland at capacity, nobody else is getting in. And then you've got like every Southern California news station flying their helicopter over Disneyland to see how busy that it actually is because they're turning people away. But that was pre-park reservations. Right. So now they're not going to run into that situation, I guess. So how mad would you be if you had a park reservation and they told you, no, too full? Yeah, I would not be sad because I would not be going that day. I never would wish a max capacity day on anyone. I used to work them in Florida and they are a nightmare. So my biggest tip, do not go on New Year's, on Christmas, or on 4th of July. Just skip those times. It does not matter if that's the one window of time you get vacation. Just don't do Disneyland or Disney World during those times. So, Dana, happier note than okay. park capacity crowds. Your favorite ride at Disney World is? Carousel of Progress. Right. Do you want some good news about the West Coast and Carousel of Progress? Always, yes. Okay. It's not the ride, but if you, when are you going to Disneyland next? Do you have a reservation uh, coming up? Next, yeah, in a week. Okay. You definitely need to get yourself over to Tomorrowland to the store because okay. at Tomorrowland at Disneyland, they have Carousel of Progress merch for some reason. What? I don't know why, but they have this amazing purple cup. That's like the purple wall from Disney <gasps> World Yeah. that says there's a great big beautiful tomorrow and has the carousel like logo on it. 
the gear logo thing. Yep. And then they also have a car magnet for the Carousel of Progress. And it says Tomorrowland and like that retro font on it. Yes. Um, okay. But I am th- like this cup. It's like one of those plastic tumblers with like the straw and the lid and all that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It says there's a great big beautiful tomorrow on it. It's 1999. No idea why it's at Disneyland, but it is. Yeah. It's over in Tomorrowland. You can pick it up and have your own little piece of the Carousel of Progress with you on the West Coast. I feel like they must have ordered too many of these tumblers, <laughs> and so they just shipped them to the West Coast, because I have a feeling it's going to really confuse most of the uh, Californians that go to Disneyland, but hey, I'm all for it. You know, I also bought a sticker that I put on um, one of my like hydro flasks that is that same Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow gear, and it's super cute, but I bet you it's from that same line that's Yeah, here, around. I'll like, I'm going to show you. You guys at home can't see this, but. Oh, that's so cute. No, mine looks yeah. a little different. So, oh, I love that. Yeah. So, and then this is what the cup looks like. Oh, yeah. It. The cup is cute, too. Yeah. It's yeah. that light purple, like a lavender yeah. purple. Yeah. Like the purple wall from. Yeah. That's right outside there at Disney World. So, I don't know. Maybe there there you go. You can get yourself a little piece of uh, Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow when you go next Aww. week if you want to. The cup, by the way, is $20 and the magnet is $10. <laughs> oh, I mean. $10 no, for a magnet. No surprise there. Um, so one last thing, as you all know, I do a lot of marathon running to raise money for cancer research, helping cancer patients through the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's human training. Um, we had an awesome push last year where you guys were amazing and helped contribute when I was doing the New York City Marathon. Um, and this year there's even more races coming up. And I think Dana and I have talked about teaming up. To fundraise for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society on behalf of my mom, our friend Allison, other people that we know in our lives who have been touched by cancer because we can't really do anything else but keep running and raising money that way. And what better way for Dana and I to do it than with the Walt Disney World Marathon Weekend in January of next year. So more details on that to come, but I'm bringing this all up because they released the like artwork for the Marathon Weekend. It is going to be a huge year. It's their 30th anniversary for Run Disney and for the Marathon Weekend. And they have gone full on retro with everything. Like, Ooh. Re- yeah, like the, the retro logos, retro Mickey, retro Goofy, the retro run Disney logo, like all this stuff to commemorate the 30th anniversary. So I'm a big sucker for like anniversary runs. I did the 50th anniversary of New York City. I did the 25th of the L.A. Marathon. Like, and it's always a little extra special. But um, Dana and I are going to sort out what race or races we're going to do because it's it's an event. They like have everything from the Dopey Challenge, which is you do a 5K one day, a 10K the next day, a half marathon the next day, and a full marathon the next day, which is a little nutty. Nope. Um, nope. or I'm, I'm a, <laughs> a nopey on that one. A nopey on the dopey. And then I think there's a goofy challenge, which is the half marathon one day and the full marathon the next day. And mm. then the uh, 5K and 10K half or full you can do individually. The races are amazing. The half and the full are incredible because they run through all the parks. Um, and there's like characters out and you get to like literally go running down, you know, Main Street USA as part of your run, which is really kind of amazing. Anyway, so more to come on that. Dana and I will be doing a big fundraising push eventually here. But if you guys have any interest in doing this on your own, you can go to teamintraining.org and you can see all the races and they're going to open up registration soon for Disney World, which will be super fun. But 
Anyway, so that's Yay. exciting. I'm super excited about the retro uh, look to everything. I'm excited about that, too. I could see you doing the dopey challenge. Adam. I don't know. I have never done a marathon. I am not doing a marathon. You could do yeah, a I'll full. do a half. I'll do a half. I, I, I don't feel prepared emotionally and physically prepared to do a, a whole. You have almost a year. You have like nine months to train, which is more than enough time to train for a full marathon. Okay. Well, I, I'll, I can train for a half. I feel confident right. about a all half. Right. All right. Well, maybe the half is the way to go because then we can actually enjoy being in Orlando instead of like limping around the parks for a day afterwards um yeah that's crucial but it's it's a great event and it's one of the signature events for leukemia and lymphoma society for team and training so uh yeah it'll be it'll be super exciting and also the bling the medals are nuts from yes. running Disney events are huge and they're really cool and i'm sure for the 30th they have really special ones for the 50th anniversary of this year um of disney world so i'm sure for the 30th anniversary of run disney it'll be pretty cool I'm, nice. I'm in it for the bling. I'm in it for the bling. Give me the give me the running bling that are all currently in a bag in the closet somewhere. So <laughs> you don't know where they all live. But uh, that's what I got. Cool. Well, shall we dive into the vault? I've got a vault ready yes. for you today. Dive, dive, dive into the vault. Continuing the thought process of dive. I said that when we did Pirates of the Caribbean, but this one kind of also fits. Do you want to take a guess, Adam, as to where? I do. Okay. So uh, here's your clue. Okay. This attraction exists on the West Coast and on the East Coast. But you didn't say specifically what parks. No, I did not. The West Coast and the East Coast. We're diving. Is it? It's a nearly identical ride on both coasts. Is it Little Mermaid? Ah, <gasps> Yes. Good job. Boom. Well, you said dive. So that's why I was like. That was. Mm-hmm. And then you, was you weren't specific about the park. And I was like, oh, it's in different parks. You're right. So, yes, they've got the uh, Little Mermaid Ariel's Undersea Adventure is its full title. And it exists at um, California Adventure and at the Magic Kingdom. So I just decided to go with a slightly more recent ride since we've been doing some that are like deep in the vault of of Walt's life. So we're going with one that's a little bit newer. Can I tell you? Yeah. Before you dive in on it, Noah is now obsessed with Little Mermaid. Like we put it on. And he watches it and gets really into it and like caught him the other day going, ah, like, like almost like trying to sing Aww. along to it. And we did take him on it at DCA and he was like just eyes wide open, especially the bit where you're going underwater. Like yes. That. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Ray loves it, too. She's lately gotten a little scared of the eels on it. So we haven't gone on it recently, but it's a classic. I don't I, I think she's just going through a scaredy cat phase because otherwise it's a great ride. So the Little Mermaid Ariel's Undersea Adventure, which we all just call the Little Mermaid ride, um, is based <laughs> off of the 1989 classic, The Little Mermaid. And it's a dark ride that features four of those most iconic songs from the movie. Uh, The ride opened in California Adventure on June 3rd, 2011, and at Magic Kingdom on December 6th, 2012. It's a bit surprising that it took over 20 years for a dark ride to exist of The Little Mermaid when the movie came out in 1989. There's no real reason why The Little Mermaid hasn't been present. It just sounds like it took a while for it to come to fruition. They had to develop that technology for my favorite animatronic at all the parks. Oh, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that one in just a second. But real quick, I want to give like a very brief history of the movie because I think this is also indicative of the ride. So the movie ended up making $235 million in the box office, which was like the biggest 
movie of animation kind of from 1989 that Disney had seen in a long time. The then CEO, Jeffrey Katzenberg, actually cautioned the production crew to say, you need to change this trailer around and have Prince Eric be more of the forward-facing character so that it doesn't um, detract boys from going to see it. Like, he was really nervous Mm -hmm. that it wouldn't do as well as Oliver and Company, which had come out a couple years prior. And that movie had made $120 in the box office. So he was like... It has to do better. And he didn't think that Little Mermaid would. Uh, but yet it still <laughs> made over $100 million more. The Little Mermaid went on to win two Academy Awards that year for Best Original Song for Under the Sea and Best Original Score. And I think, you know, its biggest kind of claim to fame is that it reestablished Disney animation as a creative and profitable animation studio. Because for much of the 70s and 80s, they were kind of stuck making these Movies that nobody wanted to go see, Rescuers Down Under. Um, (laughs) So it kind of, it was the tipping point to have this like roaring 90s for Disney animation. And then following it was Aladdin and The Lion King. That was the time I remember as a kid, every year you got excited for the new, it was like a thing when the new Disney animated movie came out. Like it was like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! It was such a big thing. I saw The Little Mermaid when I was, I think, three or four years old in the theater. My big one was Beauty and the Beast a couple years later. Mm. But I want to go back to like, so I just mentioned that $235 million is what The Little Mermaid grossed. A couple years later when The Lion King out, it grossed $1.6 billion. Wow. Like, yes. So that that's like one of the top, yeah. I think maybe Frozen has beat it now, but it was like the top reigning animated film feature for a long time so and side note where's our lion king ride we don't have one or show i mean where's our lion king ride i mean they finally opened up the beauty and the beast ride was that in tokyo or is yeah which looks amazing the beauty and the beast dark ride but we also don't have an aladdin dark ride we don't have like yeah to all these things there's not i'm surprised that they haven't built these i mean the aladdin one Oh yeah, my god, like if I they know. made they all have shows, but that's it. If you made an Aladdin ride, like it could kind of take on the Peter Pan idea that you're flying and you could like be on the magic carpet. Oh yeah. Like flying through and they use the technology where you're like like they have for Peter Pan. Right? Yes. Like how cool would that be? That would be anyway. awesome. Adam, call up Disney, you know, let them know that. Hey, Bob, we got an idea for you. Anyway. Hey, Bob. Um, so by the mid-90s, Imagineers went to work on creating a dark ride for for The Little Mermaid. And it was specifically going to be for Tokyo Disney Sea and Hong Kong Disney that were both being created. The blueprints were scrapped. I have no idea why the internet didn't say. Um, so it took another decade until Imagineers revisited those blueprints for the reimagined California adventure. Uh, Disney announced that they were going to create a Little Mermaid ride and take out the Whoopi Goldberg's Golden Dreams movie at California Adventure. A year later, it was announced that the Magic Kingdom would expand their fantasy land and where the old Toontown area was located. And that's where they were also going to bring in the same ride. So both attractions are almost exactly the same. There's like a couple slight tweaks, but we wouldn't ever know. It's more just like the ride vehicle layout. Uh, this is a dark ride, and it's Omnimover style, just like Haunted Mansion, where you sit here instead of a doom buggy. It's a 
colorful clamshell. And Scuttle begins by telling you the story of The Little Mermaid. And this first song mirrors the plot of the movie. So you hear part of your world. Then Under the Sea. We get Poor Unfortunate Souls, Kiss the Girl. All all great ones. But the coup de grace of this ride, I think, for both Adam and I is the Poor Unfortunate Soul scene. Oh, my gosh. With our favorite, Ursula. It's so good. That animatronic is so good. So Ursula, the Ursula animatronic is 12 feet wide and seven and a half feet tall. She is one of the tallest and largest animatronics that's ever been created. All I could find on the internet was that the largest animatronic ever created was actually the T-Rex from Jurassic Park, the movie. Uh, but this one, it was like in the top 10 of largest. I think probably the Yeti also falls under larger, but still. Well, wouldn't the shaman from... Yes, uh, the shaman from Pandora. The, yeah, river. Yeah. The world's worst river ride ever. Navi, Navi River Journey. I hate that ride. I really hate that ride. Anyway, come on, sorry. But Ursula was pretty revolutionary for 2011 standards when they were creating her. Um, the Imagineers watched Poor Unfortunate Souls so many times and they just took a bunch of screenshots so they could see her various movements and how she carried herself. And in order to have that same effect, they programmed a movement in her called the squash and stretch so that she could bounce back and forth from her torso, giving that same look that you see her move in the movie. For Ursula's arms and chest, they actually use a stretched velvet to create this like silky, smooth, luxe kind of look to her skin. Um, And they don't use that for Ariel or King Triton. It's just for her. And then they use a very flexible rubber for her face. And in general, this is also a fun fact. This ride shows the most skin of any dark ride that has ever existed for Disney. Because (laughs) King Triton, Ursula, and Ariel are like half naked. Uh, So they had to show a lot of skin. So they, they created that new stretchy rubber specifically for this ride. And they've used it on new ones, but this was created for here um, to give these characters like the utmost inflexibility. But no other animatronics have ever needed this much skin to show because they're either a fully clothed animatronic or they have fur. They're an yeah. animal. So um, let's see. The ride was an immediate hit. But a few things that caught guests' attention right away that were quickly corrected. The first was in the Under the Sea song, Ariel's hair. I don't know if you remember this, but Ariel's hair like swirled on the top of her head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it happens in the movie. You see, it's really cute. She kind of does a little spin and it swirls up. But when you're not underwater, it looks really ridiculous. And people (laughs) called it the Dole Whip hair, which (laughs) that's what it looked like. It looked like ice cream swirls. So... They replaced that really quickly before the Magic Kingdom version of this ride opened. And the other thing people thought was really weird, and I was one of them, was that when she morphs from mermaid to human, there's like a little screen that you see her morphing. And it was uh, CG before. And everybody was like, why are you making this CG when it was a hand-drawn animated feature? So somebody went back and they switched it to a hand-drawing style. So those two things were quickly changed before the 2012 opening of the same ride on the East Coast. And my last fact is that there are two of the original voice actors who also voice their characters in this ride. And that was Jodie Benson, who was the original Ariel, and Pat Carroll, who was the original Ursula. Mm. Everybody else has um, our other voice actors because the many of the other voice actors from the movie are no longer with us. Mm. But these two still are, and they are the same voices. Okay, so I got to ask you a question. Yeah. Which one do you like better, East Coast or West Coast? 
Oh, that's a good question. And honestly, I think I like East Coast only for the fact that you get to walk through this really yep. great queue. The and queue is amazing. Yeah. Otherwise, the rider is the same. Yeah, I would but- vote the same. Disney World gets a leg up. Because it was part of their whole new fantasy land when they added all that stuff and they added beauties in the Beast Castle and the Be Our Guest and Gaston's Tavern and all that stuff they added in Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. And then they added the Little Mermaid. And I love a little fun fact that where Little Mermaid is at Disney World was where the Nautilus um, Lagoon used to be. Yes, the so 20,000 kind of leagues yeah, under the so sea. Yeah, so it's kind of fun that that's, you know, the Voyage of the Little Mermaid or whatever it's called is where the old water attraction used to be with the Nautilus. So yeah. I love it. I love the queue. I think the queue is just done so well at Disney World. And it's kind of like, yeah. eh, at DCA. but It's because of space, and that's yeah. always the problem. I, I think the same thing with Midway Mania, Toy Story Midway Mania, is better at Disney World because their line is so cool. And yeah. here, it's mostly an outdoor thing underneath the roller coaster. <laughs> so. Yeah. My last fun fact for you about going back to the Dole Whip hair, the hair that was on the top of (laughs) Ariel's head. um, After it was removed in the attraction, the Dole Whip hair piece was actually shipped out to Shanghai Disney. And you can still see it today as a repurposed barbershop window display on Mickey Avenue. So (laughs) I've never been to Shanghai Disney, but I understand that their main street is kind of like a Toontown-esque theme called mickey avenue so it's all cartoony and i guess there's a barbershop there with that hair on display hey they don't waste anything nope they sure don't (laughs) so there you have it oh that's fun yeah i i'm excited to take noah back on it at disney world when we get down there yeah i also like that they have you can meet ariel right there at the grotto so it's all kind of one cohesive piece and we didn't even we totally forgot to talk about meet and greets are back (gasps) like you can hugging characters characters again so that's amazing like noah gets to actually meet all these characters now instead of like the awkward like selfie posing behind with the character like waving behind you so I'm really excited about that, too. Yeah, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, you know, if you've gone to Disneyland or Disney World, there's always been, like, a stanchion between you and a face character or you and a a fur character. Now they're going to remove those. You can actually go hug Mickey. You can hug Anna and Elsa. You can hug the Little Mermaid, which I'm sure people will be excited to do, as she, again, is half naked. But but you can go and do this again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, yes. (laughs) <laughs> I will I won't go any further because I've got some horror stories of friends with Ariel. Oh gosh, I don't want to know. Um, all right. Well, that was that for this week. And if you want to go hug Ariel, call Dana. She'll set it up. I sure can. <laughs> yes, I can. If you're looking to book a trip, I'll send you a free price quote so you can get a sense of what you're looking at for either of these coasts or any international location or Hawaii. Yeah, there you go. Alani. Um, All right. Well, on that note, have a good week, everybody. Bye. Bye.